Next up on Visual Wow. I believe that we are in the greatest industry and that we have to keep our confidence up because it's not just about the face-to-face, it's about connecting people in ways that are authentic, real, and transformational. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow. The podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your host, Jack Hartsman. Welcome back, Visual Community. I'm Jack Hartsman, your host. And today is a remarkable day. I'm here in Northwest Washington to a new resident back to the Washington, D.C. area, David Adler, BizBash, fame and lore, Jacqueline Bernstein of Empire Force Events, New York City, fame and lore, which means I'm hanging out with a whole bunch of famous people. I don't even know what the word lore means, but David, Jacqueline, welcome to the podcast. Great. Great to be here. Honored to be here. I'm with David and you. David, you've been back in D.C. for how long? Uh, less than a month after 30 years away. Uh, I have only been by your, uh, your dwelling in New York City, and I am very honored to be standing here in your beautiful living room here in Northwest Washington. And uh, it's nice to have you back in town. It's great. It's really great to be back. You can come home again. <laughs> so, uh, full disclosure, because a lot of people know that I uh, like to record in very spontaneous places, and I, I don't take a lot of the precautions that most people do in live broadcasts. Uh, we have landscapers on both sides of your house, so the potential of a lawnmower or a blower is highly potential, uh, and, and we could have those kind of things, and we're just going to plow right through them for the sake of time. Literally, that's Literally, good. Literally, that's exactly. <laughs> well done. I'm that. Uh, Jacqueline, what's it like for you to be here with your friend David uh, in my neck of the woods? Well, David and I, as I like to call him Cousin Davey, have been close for so many years since the inception of BizBash. I remember when I came to the yeah. office and Richard Aaron was telling me, was it the office of pencil? That yes, pencil yes, principal for a day. Yes, which I should still do because the girl that's principal of my high school and I used to work together at my company. Anyway, I went to same college. Um, but I've been here since the beginning. Yeah. Been here meeting with you and BizBash since the beginning. And it's exciting to see you in your next step. But it's back to your Washington dossier days back here in the D.C. area. Um, I'm just so glad that I got the opportunity to come down here because of Rosh Hashanah with uh, Jack. And to be able to make this happen within minutes, right? This is what happens in this time of COVID. And out of adversity comes some good. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's so great to be here with you, Jackie. Uh, we have known each other since day one, before people even thought that BizBash would work. And you know, we had this crazy idea that you know, we kind of disintermediated the event organizers because we went to events and said, who did what? Because it was no longer about the event organizer having secret Rolodex but about the art and the talent of the event organizer. We, I remember when BizBash first started, um, people were trying to understand what it was. And that's when you had the capital Z in the BizBash with the capital V. Well, we had the, we had the confetti, which we yes, got rid of. Yes, the confetti, of. which was so Richard Aaron. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting, people didn't understand what it was. And probably the best way to describe it, as I look at your beautiful newsstand painting in your dining room here, is it was the People magazine of the event profession. Uh, report on what was happening there. So Yeah, we, we actually, one of the things we wanted to do was celebritize event organizers in the same way that chefs were used to, they used to sit in the back room in the kitchens and nobody knew who they were and now they're superstars. We kind of helped do that for the event industry. Well, you did, and I'm honored to be one of them. 
I think. Well, I and, and just to circle back, because I remember <laughs> the first phone call when Jacqueline called me and said, well, my friend David and my friend Richard are pulling this thing together and let's pull together some cool things and let's go out and shoot some events for something called BizBash. So uh, I kind of feel like I was there watching this whole thing in its conception. And, and now here we are umpteen years later. And um, your images were in our first booth at the first BizBash show. And, you know, I have a, a I have a great fundraising story from BizBash. Come, bring it on. Which I think you will find appropriate since it is Rosh Hashanah. Um, so I, I spent a decade or so as head of corporate communications for a company called Prime Media, which was the, one of the $3 billion media companies. It was with Macmillan. And, and so I ended up doing all the events because our CEO felt that that was the way that you can really bring analysts in to see your products and brands. And we were able to showcase the, the, the fact that, that that was the essence of, of, of the company because they were able to see and touch the customers because they went to the events. We brought the analysts to the events. And when the analysts saw how New York Magazine connected with their people or Seventeen Magazine connected with their audiences, they felt like we were emotionally connected to our people. And that's what events do. So I ended up being friendly with uh, my friend um, uh, Lisa Belsberg and Matthew Brothman. And they are they're sort of um, well-known in the New York world. They were, um, they were married and they had a son named Zeke Brothman. And um, I ended up one day going to Zeke Brothman's bris. <laughs> and so, you know, what happens, men are not exactly in favor of watching brisses. I will absolutely chime in with David and say most men have a really, really, I was going to say hard time, but let's just say have a really difficult time at any child's bris. I agree. Oh I concur. So I went to the back. So all the men kind of like scurried off to the back. And I had this conversation with this guy, Michael Linton, and he asked me what I was doing. He was the, um, he wasn't where, he was a chairman of Sony at one point, and uh, he was, he's now the chairman of Snap. I guess he was the president of Sony Pictures and now the president of Snap, Snapchat. And he asked me what I was doing, and I told him about BizBash because in 1999 you can raise money on the back of PowerPoint. And I raised $4 million on the back of Briss. <laughs> <laughs> and that is kind of the best fundraising story that, ever. That does bring so I believe in events. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. In, in all the forums and all the roundtables that the three of us have been together in our careers, and we can talk about how David had a brisk moment, the irony is that my connection to Washington talent and how I went from being an independent photographer to taking my business and, and merging with a big company like Washington Talent is because 27 years ago, there was this drummer in a band who I was very cordial with, and we'd never gone out socially. And we were playing a remake job after a blizzard of 1993. It was supposed to be in March. And, they, and, and the party, the bar mitzvah, it was, a, it was a bat mitzvah, was rescheduled to April. And we, so we're photographing this on a Sunday afternoon instead of a Saturday night that it was supposed to be scheduled. And I said to this guy, hey, we've never gone out socially. Why don't we go out for a beer after the gig? And he says to me, great idea, but my wife and I just had a baby and the bris is tonight. And I said, no problem. That's wonderful. Mazal tov. I'm going to go home, switch gear, and I'm going to come photograph your son's bris. Well, that son is now standing in line to take over Washington talent when his father retires. His son and my son became friends with no con with, with fathers not being involved. So you and I both made well, huge pivotal changes in our says, lives around but, brisses. But I think, I think, here's the premise, though, is not that this bris was fortunate for me, but that every event has these stories that are being told 
because of the serendipity effect of people gathering. We also like to call it the wow moment. And when you take a picture of it, it's the visual it's wow the, moment. Yeah. Of it. And exactly. when you said serendipity, I was going to say Beshert, because that's what it is with all of us here for the Jewish New Year. Um, and I, do, I there is a joke in there about you gentlemen being able to succeed after a bris, but I think I will just reserve not saying it here as the Wait, only did you, girl did, in the Did room. Jacqueline just use the word reserve? Because I've never <laughs> known Jacqueline to use the word reserve I'm in a conversation. I'm rating it in. Yeah, What's interesting, though, Oh, sorry, go ahead, she, well, she's trying to be more polite with me in the room. Right? Well, you were family, but I am. I am. I'm trying because the listeners out there. But what's also interesting is that you both talked about social events that actually helped your professional career in events. And as my company is strictly doing corporate meetings incentives as a destination manager company when I hear now especially how the uh, resurgence of people want to get out there and do their social gatherings not social as in being together but weddings mitzvahs anniversary parties proms whatever it may be I'm thinking where does that leave us on the corporate side so I guess it's reassuring hearing out of a bris <laughs> you guys are able to well, maximize on your professional lives you know I've just been doing a lot of interviews with you know I'm trying to sort of get a beat on what's going on mm-hmm. and I think that's what we're doing here too. absolutely Absolutely. That's you. The whole idea is, you know, get a beat. And I had an interview with um, a famous wedding planner, and um, she was saying that she's nervous about people at the highest level being part of the event world because they're so used to having people that they just want. They don't want to, you know, deal with the BS of being with people that they don't want anymore. So we're going to see events that are much more authentic and much more real. And they're going to be more discriminating, I think, in many cases, because well, they're going to be more expensive, too. You know, there's an interesting uh, tie to that with virtual, because um, we started virtual in our company uh, just uh, in the beginning of uh, June uh, as, a, as a product, actually, of my niece's wedding, Memorial Day weekend. It did not go well that I had nothing to do with. And my wife and I said the Monday after, there's a better way to do virtual and we're going to figure it out. But in the dozen events that we have done thus far, where where people have taken their 100 to 200 person wedding and shrunk it down to six or 10 people in their backyard, including a wedding we did two weeks ago here at the Park High at Washington with just bridegroom and rabbi. The groom's parents couldn't get out of New York because of quarantine, and the bride decided it wasn't fair to have the wedding with the bride's parents and not the groom's parents. But the conversation that I'm now a part of that I've never been as a photographer a part of is when there are people are, are realizing how much money they've saved inadvertently because they didn't have to cater a party for 200 people. And I'm hearing people's undertones saying, Oh, well, let's just have the important people that we can have there at the party, at the, at, the, at the ceremony, and everyone else will be virtual. And I've heard people expanding that when it comes to springtime and they're going to reschedule their event, they're going to keep the virtual component and make the party more intimate. And the people that maybe they were kind of inviting because they had to invite them, they're now going to invite them virtually. Hmm. Well, I think hybrid is the future. I completely the hybrid uh, thing of, of access to the entire things that you want to go to and not access. If you don't want to go, you don't have to go. <laughs> I just was listening to David talking about the authenticity about the events now, but then they're maybe more discriminating and for 
expensive. And I just compare it to probably the simplest version of what we see in events right now is the open dining in New York City or any city, because I've seen it look very similar down here, being in D.C. these couple of days. And when they did allow open dining to happen, and as I mentioned, some of you out there have heard, I've worked, consulted with the mayor's office through their citywide event coordination management about the how you would set it up in the streets with the barricades. The schmanciest of restaurants used construction barricades, plastic chairs, outdoors. Um, they made it homey. And what was interesting is that it didn't have to be, as we as event producers always want everything to be perfect and pristine and lined up. We had to be separated outside. And again, the simplest form of sitting down, as people would say, breaking bread, or I would say clinking a cocktail glass, um, <laughs> Outside, in just the simplest presentation, is what events are potentially going to look like. So, I, I before this actually happened, I've been a, a real sort of advocate of what I call the Jeffersonian style dinner party. And to me, the best uh, decor that you can have is fantastic conversation. But it happens because you have fantastic facilitators who know how to bring people out, and I call them collaboration artists. So we wanted to talk about you know, how young people get into this business and how people can actually uh, become good at this craft. And, it, and we're really connectors, whether they're in person or whether they're virtual, that's what it's about. Well, I, I think that you know, the power of people together is one of the things that we're yearning for and to connect that, Jacqueline, to what you're saying about something as simple as restaurants and how they're barricading off their corner of the world. It's because we as humans are, are it's in our DNA to be together. Mm -hmm. um, we're, we're considering, just so that the uh, listening audience uh, doesn't think that we're deaf to the sounds in the backyard, uh, we're actually going to plow right through it for the sake of uh, the fact that we have good we'll microphones. We'll just talk loud. And, 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 we, and we have New York bred people here that will just talk a little bit louder. But, but Jacqueline, to your point, is that people want to gather and connect. And we're not meant to be isolationists. It's not in our, it's not in our breeding. It's not in our DNA. So, David, I, I totally commend you. I, I think that the, the, the collaboration of people is, I think, what we're all yearning for. And quite frankly, it's how the Visual Podcast came to pass. And it's a great segue to why we're here together, um, uh, not just because of my relationship with Jacqueline and her uh, and the ability that that between the two of us we're hard to say no to each other when we ask for a favor uh, I am absolutely uh, utilizing everything about your personality and your communication skills and starting in October we are going to have a uh, events happy hour with Jacqueline Bernstein and David I'm hoping that you will be uh, her inaugural guest when we uh, when we secure the date uh, and the purpose absolutely. of this thank you very much and and the purpose is for collaboration the purpose is to not let people in our events community of the younger age, uh, the people coming out of college, the people who, who are kind of been, oh, I don't know, just kind of figuring out which way is up and they still want to be event professionals. They want to be the next Jacqueline Bernstein and they have no place to go. There's no ILEA meeting. There's no NACE meeting. There's no BizBash conference coming is. up. No live events. I apologize. Thank you so much for that. And so we're going to try to make this a regular thing, uh, uh, using Jacqueline as an anchor to be able to give uh, future event professionals or current people a place to go to vent, to collaborate, to be together and just let their innermost come out. What, what do you think? Let, of the let, me, let me add one other point to that. I think collaboration is great, but I think that people have to know how to be a collaboration artist because just to go into a room and 
look at each other is not as simple as people think. The event organizer has to understand how to connect people. And you have to understand the social physics of how ideas flow and how people connect. Even the placement of the bar has something to do with how people talk. When you go into an event, the purpose of decor is is to even the room out so everybody is in the same experience and they can actually communicate on an equal level. And so I think, and, and just the way you, the techniques, uh, you know, we used in the event industry, we used to have something called the icebreaker. The icebreaker is the most important thing that we can be doing. And we kind of let that go because we thought it was like hokey. Right. But the techniques now, the, the, the ways to do that are becoming more sophisticated than ever. And to, you know, remember when we went to the high school dance and the girls didn't dance or the junior high school dance and the girls didn't dance with the boys. How do you get that to happen? And especially during this time, we're still doing this in a pandemic. So even if we just automatically opened up now, we have to make sure that everything is obviously following safety protocols. It's it's going to be a challenging role for all of us to do. I mean, we're starting to squeak in there and doing live experiences, but it's nothing like we've seen prior. And as moving as we're moving forward, industries are doing our industry is starting to do um, their industry events. Um, There is the. The Connect Show. Yeah, our Biz Bash Show in Orlando in October. And MPI is going to be doing something live. I'm um, speaking on on uh, this week in Atlanta MPI. And they're going to have 50 people in the room. And they're going to have people outside. And I'm speaking virtually. And they're going to have to figure out whether it's an icebreaker when they get there or... Mm-hmm. Probably no bar, right? Is there even food and well, beverage be, that's going to be food, held? Yeah, there's going to be food be? and beverage. Starts at 1130. My speech is at 1230. I, I guess the rules are different. That's a whole other situation in Atlanta no. than they are in other cities. Even New York State, the rules are different from New York City. So food and beverage. Yeah. That's why I talked about the restaurant dining outside. It's just such a challenge in the event form inside. Of, Especially inside when of, it's going to get cold. That is the worst part that's going to be happening to us. I think as much as we want to be positive here, what we went through when we shut down in March, we're... Something's going to happen in that same realm as we go back inside. I don't want to necessarily say well, shut down. I, I think if COVID had started in November, we would be in a very different world right now. I mean, just co- just coincidentally, by the grace of God, if you can say grace of God and COVID in the same breath, it was March. It was it a was week the before of March, spring. Right? And if you lived on the East Coast, we actually were in the middle of a really good weather spill. And, and it was in the, in the high 50s. And then by the following week, we were in the 60s and we were all outside already. And, and I think I think the, the winter cause is definitely something to be concerned yes. about when, when, we, when it's not comfortable to sit outside in a restaurant or, or even to meet your neighbor. I don't know about your communities, but at least in the, in, in the suburb where I live, people literally meet on a street corner, 10 people standing feet away from each other. And you, you just have conversation. I don't see that happening with hats and gloves on in the dead of winter. You know, I went out to, uh, last night to a restaurant and we had, sat outside and it got cold. It did. And, yeah. and I was really kind of like, okay, this is not fun. That's right. No, That's we, had, right. we had Jacqueline came down for, for the second night of Rosh Hashanah and, and we had my parents over for dinner. They're, they're 84 and 85 respectively. They live in Bethesda, uh, just, just five minutes from my house. And I had to break out all the propane heaters yeah. and we literally made a corner of heaters for them to feel comfortable because my dad said I'd rather wear a jacket. Here's a mentality of, of someone uh, of the next generation uh, that my dad 
is willing to sit outside with heaters and a heavy jacket rather than be inside with people that he knows, loves, and cares and trusts with. Um, th- that's the world we're living in. And I just don't see diners going to outdoor cafes and hats and gloves for the sake of being outside. And the, I, I, indoor, I, the indoor experience, whether it be in a restaurant or an event in a hotel or a venue, uh, is going to be the challenge as that, that the next challenge that we in the event profession are going to have to deal with as we get colder outside. So, David, you've recently penned a, an, an amazing term that I, I just can't get out of my head, and that's the being an event superhero or digging into your superhero self. And and I'd like you to expand upon that a little bit because I've always felt that in the in in the events community, I mean, we've all been through events with wacky situations, and somehow we always make we always make it work. If um, we allowed the government to use event thinking mm-hmm. to pivot, we would have been in a much better situation. Yeah, I completely agree with that. <laughs> because one. we know how to deal, you know, how you see the chaos before an event starts and all of a sudden, wham, it looks great and it works. I mean, people in our business are flexible. Uh, they are, you know, managers. Um, and I think now the event organizer who happens to be the closest person to the customer or the employee is being called upon by the C-suite to be the cultural officers of their company because the C-suite people are calling, oh my God, what do I do? What do you think they're going to want? Going to the office is now going to be an event. And you have to plan for that in the same way that you plan an event. And you have to make sure that it's organized and that it works. I mean, it's our our jobs are going to be completely different now. And I've had a lot of interviews with people that think of uh, of what they do as the cultural officer of the, pop, you know, the the person that's in charge of office culture. So, um, along with that thinking, I, I keep coming back to education because I just so believe in it. The way I was raised, I was mentored in photography. Uh, Jacqueline, you you certainly had a backbone of mentoring when you came into this business, and and we all continue. And, and I think that's how kind of BizBash was founded uh, to to carry on and 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 educate the young people, and and just to bring the level of our industry to to uh, a higher or at least a more equal level uh, base point that we call par. The theory of the case with BizBash was we allow people to peek over the fence to see what other people mm-hmm. are doing because you can't get into someone else's event. Yep. So you have no idea. So the whole purpose of it is to and – and what you did is you, see, you saw everything go um, – uh, get better because you say, okay, oh, I like that idea. Oh, I can do it even better. Oh, I can do it even better than that. And that's kind of what happened. And it wasn't stealing. It was no. being inspired by what you saw that other people did, yeah. what vendors that they used. I think I think David's, David's point is perfect. It's that peeking in where you don't even have to ask the questions. I just want to see what right. they're doing over there. Yeah. We're very observational people. In fact, I believe that surveys don't work as well as observational research. Uh, I- Speaking my language, I'm a photographer. I see all those little nooks and crannies when, when we go to things and they're not. You were talking about decor before being like, you know, how to equalize a room as a photographer. There's two things we look at when we're coming into a room. We look at how the lighting is going to affect our photograph. But more importantly, I walk into a bottleneck room or a long, thin room and I see a bar at the front of the room. And the first <laughs> thing I think to myself is, why are you going to bottleneck everybody at the front of the room? Who designed this? Put, put, put the bar at the end of the room. It pulls everybody through mm-hmm. the room and it equalizes the pe- people. So, not social physics. No, Absolutely. So, David, what do we tell now? How do we keep people motivated? I I don't want this to be a broadcast where we're going to sit here and look into the magical crystal balls that we all don't have in front of us Mm. to come up with the day this is all over. 
Um, and, and I've been inundated by listening and being asked questions about this kind of stuff and listening to other podcasts where, Oh, it's going to be next Thursday. It's going to be a week from next March and all the, we don't have that crystal ball. But how do we keep well, people motivated to, to keep moving forward? I think that I, I think my example is going to be um, there's a, an agency in um, in Atlanta called Melt, and they have something called Melt U. And what they do every year in the summer is they bring in thirty people to experience Melt U, and they bring in their speakers. It's like summer school for kids in college and things like that. And they they converted it to a virtual thing right now. But that's where they get the talent and they see what the talent is and they introduce and mentor the talent. But they do it in a massive way as opposed to ones and twosies. Because the talent, like I imagine, I mean, if Jackie had summer school for the people in an in a industry, they're going to get more of that than going to a whole semester of college. Uh, and so I think that, that we need to sort of be proactive in getting the next generation of people uh, involved. I'm involved, I'm the chairman of something called NVENTU here in, New, in D.C. that goes into inner city schools and exposes these kids to the event industry as a pathway to careers as opposed to a pathway to prison. Mm. And once they are exposed to it, they're inspired to have careers because they see, oh my God, I could get to connect with all these people. This is a fun industry. It's social. And you see their eyes light up uh, and they talk about things that are amazing. I've even had the kids sit in on brainstormers with professionals and the ideas that they have are better than anything you can do. They had, there's a one of the concepts that, um, I forgot what it's called, where um, they, they're looking at events at three levels as opposed to just one level. The f- one level is the text level where they're actually at an event and they're, and they're texting their friends saying, hey, that guy's really fat, this guy's cute, or, you know, this guy, this, this, uh, imagine that, you know, and they're really talking honestly. Then there's the, then there kind is of sort the, of happens in our world. Yeah. <laughs> then there's, then there's the, the polite session where they're looking at the table, they're dressed up and they're trying to have good manners. And then there's so their social media game where they're living a fantasy. So we have to now plan events on these three levels. And that's how these people understand events. And it really taught me that that's the way you got to look at events in basically three different tiers. But the, I'm learning so much from these kids. It's just amazing. Well, you know, uh, just uh, a few years ago, some of the purveyors in this area, we got together and we brought a holiday party to um, D.C. Homeless Shelter. Mm -hmm. And we brought it to them at a biz bash level. Uh, Annie Senator from um, Design Foundry, Washington Talent, a couple other vendors. We literally showed up with two 24-foot trucks and loaded into uh, into the D.C. shelter. And all the administrators could look and ask us was, we don't have any money for this. And we said, we, we didn't ask you for any money. We, we did this for the kids. Yeah. We did this. And, and you, you're bringing a level of optimism to people that, that, that gives people hope. And, um, and, and I think everything that you're talking about and, and, and keeping up with the young people, listening to their dreams and their aspirations and just their ideas because they're through childlike eyes, if you will. Uh, I, I think that's what it's all about. And I think that's how we all really well, got you know, you, you said one thing that's interesting. And I think that the common denominator in your personal story, we need to attack the problem in high school because 90% of the people that I've interviewed have been that in high school. And they just extend it because they know that's what they want to be. Yeah. Well, and that's how I started. When I went to the first ILEA, orga- ILEA or the time ISIS organizational meeting for New York, 
Joe Jeff Goldblatt, who is the founding president of the organization, met me at the front desk, and I told him, here, I am a college student coming here with a resume, and he said, I see the future of this industry being the students. Now, granted, I was in high school, excuse me, I was in college, president of my class all four years, but I was always that organizer, that gatherer of people back in high school and sleepaway camp, so I had that in my mind. I just couldn't verbalize what I wanted to be. At the time, we said corporate party planner. We would not use that phrase today. But it was great that Joe you, Jeff saw that about the students, and now you're doing that. Do you know what the most interesting thing about um, the number one skill set uh, of politicians is event organizing? That's what they know. Like when I had this magazine called Washington Dossier, we, I, I started it at a college, and I was talking to like senators and congressmen, ambassadors, and they were more interested in the accoutrement of the gathering. Right. Than they were in the policy. Yeah, show me what the napkins are going to look like, and 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 where are you going to put the rope and stanchion? Or because I want to connect with people. That is exactly it. And when right now with the Live Events Coalition, when we're speaking out in with the empty events that we're doing and all the activations that we're doing, and we're speaking out to the media to hopefully capture those in Congress's attention. Um, what what we're trying to do is compare it to them to the gatherings, and we've said this to the politicians. Think about your rally when you're running for office. Think about. I like the background music from your computer. Yeah, it sounds good. I, it's feel like Bill Gates <laughs> just crashed our party. Um, but I it was explaining to the politicians. Think about the rally where you're running for office, or think about the fundraising event where people are sitting there and paying money to gather to get you reelected. Once we put it into that perspective, the politicians. Oh, now I get what you people do in live events. They just, I guess, couldn't see know, through everything else these days. Here's a funny story that I, I've been dying to. I've heard that um, our president, and I'm not going to get, it's not political at all, mm-hmm. but when he, uh, when Obama came into office, he communicated with David Axelrod because he saw that they were doing um, uh, big uh, state dinners in the back of the White House. Mm-hmm. And he said, I want to be able to create a permanent tent for the White House because <laughs> that's what he knew. I mean, that's his, his, you know, his main skill set was events. If you look at The Apprentice, which you were on, yes, it was all you. about I was events. the first episode about events when they yeah. did the first season. Yeah. And we did events with, with our president now, but back in New York as well. And of course, being in the hotel business. So it got that thought process. And look, we, look we've already finished the RNC and DNC. But as we were leading up towards it, we were mentioning to the politicians um, during the Live Events Coalition kind of uh, our outreach that think about these events that are going to be coming up, the RNC and DNC. The word convention is in the name. And they didn't really know what they were going to do, whether it was going to be live or hybrid or now or virtual. Um, it's an interesting time for the gathering. I, I want to throw back to March. When we all got shut down, you kept seeing it in the media. All those gatherings, sporting events, concerts, corporate meetings, that's not going to be held. We finally got our place in the media, our industry. David, you've been doing this with your career with Washington Dossier and BizBash. We got our name in the media. Unfortunately, it was in a negative stance. So hopefully it'll come back on the other side and they'll start seeing the Well, opening. I think people see the impact of not having events mm-hmm. and then uh, people will appreciate it more. People will appreciate it, but I think that events are going to have to be more thoughtful. They're going to have to be, you don't want to go to an event that's going to kill your grandmother. You know, you want to really be careful about it and you want to make sure that the content and the experience lives up to the billing. And speaking out to the corporate clients or the organizers, whether it be a corporation or an incentive plan or, or a not-for-profit, we're hoping that you still keep planning and that we respect that you don't want to take the risk and you don't want to put your employees or your guests or the public in harm's way. But we right. have to keep planning forward and seeing what we're going to I do. I would not have raised the money 
uh, for BizBash if I couldn't go to the Bris <laughs> to bring it back <laughs> all the way. It all comes back to, to the <laughs> And bris. even the grandma that was there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it, uh, I think Jacqueline, one, one of the, I, I was hoping you were going to jump this one last piece, but I want to say it for you. The, the fact that we, we, we can't stress enough to people who are planning, whether it's social or corporate, but, but specifically or, or with a bigger magnifying glass on corporate that, to, to the people that are planning events, to not let today's politics and today's culture dictate what's going to happen in 21, 22, 23, mm-hmm. and so on. In your, your world of corporate, you have major corporations coming into to, to New York City. We have them coming into Washington, tens of thousands of people, and, and people are watching the news every night. And they're seeing bad things happening, whether it's riots in Portland or there's no restaurants in New York, or whatever, and they're canceling events that are two and three years out. And if there's one thing about this country that's for sure, we will overcome, we will get past this, and normal will come back. And so to those people who who have the resources to really jumpstart our economy, please, uh, please don't pull back today for for what is in three years or two years from now. But let me do another pitch for the fact that the event industry is the last bastion of the entrepreneur Mm. because you can create a conference, an expo, uh, an event that's ticketed, for example, and gather people on fairly little initial capital because you don't have to like pay for stuff until you know it's going to work in many cases. I mean, so you can create the beer show or the wine show or the, or the bread show or whatever. So the entrepreneurial spirit in our business is going to be another pivot point when we uh, get uh, back in gear because a lot of the things have been sort of tossed away. So all of the competition is now, you, you don't know what's going on out there. So you might as well, it's going to be the wild west. It is. And I'm glad, um, Jack, that you did bring that up about what is happening in our society separate from the pandemic. And unfortunately, in major cities like New York, I would never, ever speak disparagingly about our city. Uh, but there are some realities of what is happening on the streets, um, what what you see out there and what you all see in the media, no matter where you are in the country or the world, of what's happening with police and the marches, which is a positive thing, the marches, uh, but the homelessness situation. And we're just hoping that separate from the pandemic, that these clients still want to support doing their events in major cities. Uh, There was patriotic tourism and travel after September 11th, and we feel that this is a time now to come support the cities and know that the cities, back then, we didn't want to say New York. We said New York was open for business, not on sale. Uh, You remember this, David, conventions, expositions, meetings, and events. See me back in New York City after September 11th, and we're hoping now, as we move forward, it's not after this time. It's throughout this time that it's a patriotism to come and support major cities, corporations and their event experiences. We've been talking for this past uh, hour or so. They need to support and do live events and you really need to support those cities. Well, I'm just going to wrap this up with you guys because we're... David, thank you again for the amount of time you've given us. I just want to, so the world doesn't think this is all just about corporate. Um, it, it goes for weddings also. I'm working on a wedding for October 10th, and the bride basically feels that her wedding has been stolen by this virus, and she wanted to cancel the photographer and cancel all the accoutrements and, and stuff like that. And I said, don't, you know, still have your photographer, get into your dress, do the things that you want to do. And and it all comes back to the fact that we, we can't let the, 
this this situation, this global pandemic, uh, stifle us and, and our entire industry. We we need these people to keep their heels in the ground and continue to have events so that our community and and, and the economy of our country can come back one day. So to that, I just wanted to thank the uh, amazing time, David. It's a pleasure to be here in your new home. Welcome back to Washington thank again, <laughs> Jacqueline. Thank you for making this together uh, all come together with David and um, and David. Feel free to anytime you want to get your message out with any of the organizations you're working on uh, that the visual Wild podcast will completely back you on those situations. Jacqueline, you know, you're always a, fa- a family to us and, and I know how you love to communicate. Um, <laughs> Live in person, hybrid, whatever it is. Uh, any parting words, David? I believe that we are in the greatest industry and that we have to keep our confidence up because it's not just about the face to face. It's about connecting people in ways that are authentic real and transformational. I, I, there is no party. Yeah, you can't, that is my party. I can't yeah. top that. Thank can, you, David, for speaking agree. for me. Thank with you. me. Visual Love you, community. Jack. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Jack Hartsman, your host. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to visual. Wow. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends, go to visualwild.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.